good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to this episode of the Life for the Why interview series podcast. This is the interview series where we find out why people do what they do. And today we have a third part of a three episode series into the life of James Buckley. In episode one, we looked at James's life as a whole. In episode two, we looked at the beginning of his life, the more darker period. And today we look at why he does what he does now and how he built his current life. We look at how he set up this life, the impact that both his family and one other person can have on somebody's life and how one person can change your trajectory completely around. I've also noticed that a lot of people have an opinion of James as being very happy, very go lucky, very friendly. I wanted to see if he had any controversial opinions. Um, spoiler alert, he does. So we, di- we deep dive into some of those today. And we also try and get some advice from James, some life advice from a man who has lived multiple lives. Today, we look at why people do what they do when they have multiple lives. Let's get cracking. Well, James Buckley, welcome back. Who knew we'd make it to three episodes? Um, I did. (laughs) I'm glad, man. I'm glad this was your idea. Um, and I'm I'm very glad. Um, yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm very glad that we managed to get to to episode number three of this. We've we've di- we've done a deep dive into your life uh, and into who you are and why you do what you do. Yeah. Um, and we did that after episode number one. Uh, then we decided in episode number two, we decided to talk about your past lives and we decided to chat about who you were and why somebody in those positions would go and do what they did. Um, if you haven't yeah. listened to that, just stop this right now. Go back to episode number one, then go back to episode number two. Yep. It, like this is, it's not going to make sense. Um, like, it'll be fun, but it's not going to make sense. Um, however, today we are going to chat about the current life of James Buckley and why you do. The rebirth. What you do. The rebirth. The, the, the rise of the phoenix. Um, as we, <laughs> uh, is, is that the new title of this episode? We'll see. It might be. Uh, it might be. Um, so, look, at this stage, people know who you are. They know what you're like. They will have listened to at least two hours of us rambling and talking away into two different microphones. But let's do a quick recap. Before we get into yeah. why you do what you do, uh, what do you do? Can you describe your, your current life to me? My life revolves around two things, and I'll mention them in order of priority. My sanity and family life, my free time that I get to do whatever I want with, (laughs) Uh, and my professional life where I have the pleasure and the joy of helping other sales professionals sell better through the power of JB Sales and the team I work with. And that is, those are my two priorities in life. The third one I would say is world travel. So we're excited to be heading back to West Africa in September, uh, or no, October rather, it'd be October. Uh, But that's you know, um, those are my, those are my priorities. That's my life today. And I love it, man. It's the best life ever. Uh, amazing. No, that sounds, I'm, I'm particularly jealous of the travel. Um, it'll be a little <laughs> while before I get to do that. As you can see, the hair is growing out. So we're still locked down. I'm headed back to Ireland as soon as possible. So be All ready. Right. And I'll see you here. Um, <laughs> so actually, but when did this life start? Kind of, so yeah. When did 2015? Mm-hmm. Tell me more. 2015, I took my very first SaaS job. I graduated from college as a non-traditional student in 2014. I always tell people I went to college and because I'm nearly 40, they think that I graduated like 20 years ago, which is awesome. Uh, But no, I graduated from college in 2014. And in 2015, I began my career as a SaaS sales professional at a company called Cirrus Insight. They did Salesforce and Inbox integration with Gmail at the time only. Uh, Later, it would be Outlook and Office 365. But at the time, it was only Gmail. And I knew how to use Gmail because that's what that's what col- the college that I was at was using. And I also knew what Salesforce was. I had heard the name, but I had no idea what the product was, anything about the company, uh, what it did, the purpose it served, like none of that was known to me. Um, so that was kind of my intro into SaaS was the Salesforce Ohana, the ecosystem that Salesforce operates in is referred to lovingly as the Ohana. Um, and it's a Hawaiian word for family, for those of you that are asking. Um, and that 
ecosystem was like home for me. There were all these great networking events all over the world that I was being sent to. <coughs> Excuse me. I went to uh, several cities in 2016 for events with my good friend, Zach Metters, who was my boss at the time and now still my very good friend. If it was not for Zach, I would not have gotten the opportunity to join the SaaS space and be where I am. So thank you, Zach. Um, Anyway, I ended up doing, over the course of the four years that I was with Cirrus Insight, I ended up doing about 84, 85 Salesforce events, sales events, live events around the world, uh, few, several different countries, many, many cities. Um, and that's kind of how I built the initial, you know, let's say 5,000 people that originally connected with Say What Sales, you know, it was the... Uh, it was, it was very good. It was fun. We had a lot of great activity out there in the world. And what I learned in that four-year window was that while I could focus on a specific product, sales was clearly my passion. I loved the process of it all. Like It's so unique and different for every seller. People have different gifts and different things that they can do to get attention and different ways they can do outreach. And I just fell in love with that. You know, What does the process look like? And what are sales funnels? And how they differ from vertical to vertical and industry to industry. And why does that matter for people? And how do I teach people how to do it more human? And in all this time, I was also building this great foundational relationship with uh, my good friend and mentor, John, John Barrows, and my good friend and mentor, Morgan J. Ingram. The three of us had developed this great back and forth where we were talking a lot and having a good time at all these events together and hanging out quite frequently uh, all over the place. And before I knew it, I was being offered a position to come in and work with John and Morgan. And that was the goal for me for like four years. So the moment it happened, I typically would say, after getting a job offer, let me talk about it with my wife and I'll get back to you. But in this instance, when John said, what do you think about coming on board? <laughs> I was like, where do I sign, man? Let's do this. <laughs> done and done. You almost took his hand off. Yeah, I sure did. So, you know, this is my dream job and I wake up every day, super excited to do it. And I have the great pleasure of working under the chief growth officer, chief revenue officer, Chris Merrill now, who's known John since they were five years old. And, uh, you know, what a great man to learn underneath. I've, I've been able to see an organization from across all instances, across mm -hmm. all departments, across all processes now for the first time ever. Um, typically, sales and marketing, not an easy alignment to make. And I think JB Sales is the best company I've ever worked for because they do that particular job really, really well. This is a very different life than what we described last time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you'd asked anybody 20 years ago where I am today, they would not have described what I just described. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, and there was a, we, we've talked about a couple of different growth moments. We've talked about a couple of different um, inflection points in your life. Um, there's one I really would like to talk about. Um, and that is Angie. Um, yeah. I'd love to talk about your, 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 your current wife, your, your, your wife. Yep. Uh, so I would say that my wife is probably my number one influence for growth and development. You know, you meet people all the time that people will often say, oh, that person is driven and that person is my inspiration. Um, I don't think that I would be the person that I am like as a human being, if it weren't for the development and growth I've experienced much thanks to my wife. She's the one that put me in college. Uh, she drives me to be a better provider every day. She drives me to make decisions that are good decisions. She forces me to slow down and not make irrational decisions. Uh, all the things that I am, she is not. And because of that, and all the things that she is not, I am, right? So we complete each other in a big way. And she's experienced a lot of the same growth and development that I've experienced because we come to each other for these types of advice and, you know, what would you do? And let me give you this situation and you can give me your thoughts. Like both of us are unafraid to have those types of real conversations with each other for fear that like 
one of them might judge the other or, you know, Oh, I thought you think that was a bad decision, honey. Like, so I, I would probably never say that. And I don't think that she would ever say that to me unless it actually was a bad decision. And then yeah. you would have to like reflect on that and be like, Oh, I should have asked her first. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I say that a lot. Uh, but, but no, she manages all of the uh, finances. I mean, she's a forensic accountant. She's a full-time real estate agent uh, with century 21 legacy. She is a, um, tax preparation expert. She is a full-time property manager um, and she's quite thrifty. She does a lot of things on the side. She's very creative. She builds things. Uh, she remodeled this basement. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that she's capable of doing that I've learned how to do thanks to her. Um, and I think that's probably the foundation. She is the foundation for all of the growth I've seen since I'm going to go ahead and comfortably say 2009. So with that, a lot of people, particularly after the pandemic, if they went into the pandemic single hall going well, they would have come out of it single. Um, mm. If people are less, I'm not going to say where, how, how does people find an Angie? Uh, Cause there's only one. However, what I will say is if you guys were so opposite in so different ways, I mean, the thing that you said, everything that you're not, everything that you are, she is not. Um, how did, how does that begin? I know they say opposites attract, yeah. but like, how, how, how does one come into contact with somebody like that, that can complete you like that? Um, and yeah, we were neighbors. Them away. <laughs> <laughs> if we were neighbors in a subdivision have. in Tennessee, she had moved to Tennessee from Illinois and I had moved to Tennessee from Miami and we ended up living in the same subdivision. That's how we met. So if you haven't found the love of your life yet, you're living in the wrong house. <laughs> Move to a subdivision, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but can you actually yeah, talk? But we did more? find that living in a subdivision was not for us. We didn't like the closeness. There was a lot of people that were like right on top of us. Everybody in our business, like subdivisions, have their drawbacks too. You know. Yes. So can we go back a little bit to the beginning of the relationship? Um, funnily enough, yeah. So you had come out of a a divorce, and she had as as well. And there's a lot of trust building that needs to be done up at the very beginning of that. Now, she seems to be a big part. Yeah, there's a lot of trust building and a lot of space. Yeah. So she seems to be a big part of why you do what you do. Um, Yeah. It wasn't always like that. Um, So how did you guys start to build the the foundation of that? I think both of us were really able to give each other the space we needed. Uh, I did not have an expectation that she would immediately attach to me and be my girlfriend uh, because she had just gone through a divorce. I did not want to immediately attach to her and become her boyfriend uh, because I had just gotten out of of, of a divorce and we were both kind of like in this flux mode and appreciated that about each other. So it was very much like, I've got to go do this thing okay, see you later, right? Like there wasn't this expectation that we would constantly be spending time together. Uh, We always gave each other the space we needed. We had two separate houses that we would retire to at the end of the day. There wasn't a big rush to get into a living situation with each other. The kids were all adapting uh, to the situation at the same time. And we knew that she was seeing other people. I was seeing other people for a while. Like you know, we appreciated the fact that I think that we knew we needed to go do something for ourselves, go be our own person for a while, have the freedom that, you know, let's be frank, divorced people feel like they don't have it. So when, when you get divorced, you go and you experience that freedom, travel, going down to Miami and hanging out with my family and you know, going down to Tampa and seeing my sisters and, you know, driving with my best friend over to another state and spending the night in a hotel and hanging out, right? Like, you know, drinking beers, like, you know, all the things that you want to do when you're married to somebody that, you know, prevents you from doing that for one reason or another. Again, not my intention to speak poorly of my ex-wife. I would never do that. Uh, But, you know, when that happens, it's important to recognize that you are going through a life-changing situation 
and you need all the space in the world to be able to make the decision that's best for you. As it turns out, we both agreed that we were happiest together. That worked out really well for us. Uh, I let her do whatever she wanted to do. She let me do whatever I wanted to do. And it turned out we both wanted to be with each other. So it made perfect sense in the moment that we decided to become an item. Uh, and that was because we allowed each other to be individuals first. Do you know, I'm actually getting um, parallels here with the work as well. <laughs> I'm getting there are a lot of them. <laughs> in that it was, you know, yourself and John and Morgan, uh, you guys yep. all were, were building on your own and then yep. decided that you'd rather build it as i don't want to say an item we still build on our own exactly we still build on our own morgan has the one-up formula i manage the on-demand side john is john and does all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff like john will never call me and be like what are you working on what are you doing i want to micromanage you that's not that's not a thing right my current wife will never call me and be like where are you and who are you with and why do you that's yeah. not that's not a thing right so there are a lot of parallels with the job life, the professional development life, and how we grew as individuals when we got together. And I think that that is a very good observation to make for people that are out there and are talking all the time now. And this is a big conversation about like work-life balance. It's not a balance. When I think of a balance, and this is John in my head all day, when I think of a balance, I think of a guy on a tightrope with like the bar and they're trying not to fall, right? It's more of an integration. It's more of an API. It's more of two things working together. I don't work a traditional nine to five, right? I work when my customers need me to work. And when my prospects need me to be there, I work, right? I just work. The same thing happens in your personal life, right? You, sometimes you have to break away from the personal life to go deal with the professional life. Sometimes you have to break away from the professional life because your personal life needs attention. These are the things that we're learning in 2021 post-COVID that we didn't appreciate before. And now we can really appreciate them. So when people are looking at this kind of thing, um, they, it's funny because people will have come out of or are currently coming out of a, a, a COVID situation or a lockdown thing. And they've, yeah. been, they've been living a very particular life. And then, um, and look, I, I've had relationship conversations with quite a few of my friends recently. Um, um, a lot of whom have been single throughout the entirety of, of COVID because it's been obviously a hell of a lot harder. And one of the observations that are being made is that they want to stop do, like, doing so much work and so that they can find somebody that can kind of save them from themselves. Um, mm. But it's funny because what you're mentioning here is that your work tendencies are also your life tendencies just in a very That's right space. Um, it's a true story, man. I, I feel like I speak to people in my personal life in a very similar tone and fashion as I speak to people professionally. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if anything, it lends itself to a more authentic conversation um, without huge agendas behind it. I think we should have agendas, especially if we're talking about a sales conversation. But you know, if you are connecting for a meet and greet, there is an element of authenticity that has to be there. It's like meeting somebody for a beer for the first time, right? You sit across from them and are you really just going to sit across from them and like show them screenshots of your product and talk to them about your, no, you sit across from them and you drink that Guinness and you say, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your past. Tell me about your family. Where'd you go to school? Before anything else can happen, that rapport has to get built. That credibility has to take place. Even if it's at a very small level, there is a moment where both parties have to agree, we don't know each other yet. Let's fix that first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I think there's a lot of parallels in sales and, and well, relationship building as a whole, but uh, not just the, the love side of things, but relationships in general. Yeah. Um, the management of the relationship is an enormous focus, right? Um, my wife will tell you that we both know our roles very well, and that's what makes us function well. So great example. I am not great with money. <laughs> I make plenty of money, but I'm not great. I spend a lot of money. You can note that by all the whiskey I buy, if you like. But when 
when my wife became a forensic accountant, we agreed that she would manage our finances. She's a forensic accountant. There's no one better to manage the money. (laughs) (laughs) I I am a wonderful individual, I think. But if it was up to me, we would have like all the Red Bull and fast food in the world and we would have no power or cars to drive. Like that's that's (laughs) the way it would go because I'm irresponsible as shit with money. I will just spend it as if it never will end. Um, but my wife is also a lousy cook. She's terrible in the kitchen. It's awful. She's not welcome in there. And I cooked for 15 years for a living. So I make all the meals. She has not cooked a meal in 14 years. (laughs) And and that's a great thing to know about each other because I can look at her and know that our finances are in great shape. Ask her for updates if I want them, though we both make enough money now that that's not a thing. Uh, but then I can also cook her a meal. And she knows that she doesn't have to fuss over dinner or figure out how she's going to feed everybody because I've got that under my belt every night. And that part of it is the part that I think people don't give enough credit to when they're in business conversations. What's your role? What's my role? Your role is to solve this problem that your company has or that your team has. My role is to present that solution potentially. So there's an element in all of this. And it'll happen in every relationship, be it romantic, be it business, be it whatever, Professional. whereby you are hammering the hard edges off each other. Uh, you're both trying to be an individual in a team. Um, yeah. So, and that will, that will happen. You know, I don't want to lose this part. I kind of like this. It's, it'll come through the negotiations in business. It'll come through the, the, the relationship. Comes through with your kids. Comes through with your kids. Oh, tell your me what kids will have. Your kids will have weaknesses and strong points. You know, uh, the the way that they adapt to new situations will show you those weaknesses and those strengths. Uh, I have one child that I one of my stepkids will talk to anybody. She will. T- I mean, it doesn't. She could be a complete stranger. Doesn't matter. She's she will approach and talk. Right. Uh, and then my other one, he, he he won't say a word. He's very reclusive. He doesn't talk much. He has very little to say about anything, um, relatively apathetic about long-term relationships. Um, you know, and the other one, she, she's constant with it. She's got lifelong friends and, you know, lifelong enemies. And <laughs> she's got those, she's got that, that social bone that the boy just didn't end up with. So uh, it's a really interesting dynamic between the two of them too, but they show those strengths and weaknesses. He is extremely internal, but I'll tell you what, you're not going to put a math problem in front of this kid that he can't do. Now, surely there's a way of understanding your own personal weaknesses without kids, (laughs) without going that far down. Experimental is always the way, uh, no matter what you might think, even the most successful people will tell you that every move they make towards growth and development is a grand experiment at first. Mm. The real question is, does it work? You have to experiment with new procedures, new products, new uh, processes, new structures, new attempts, new ideas, new messaging, new, anything new. You have to experiment with that stuff to know if it's going to be something that fits you long-term, this is true in life. This is true in business. This is true in growth. This is true in development. This is true in social media. This is true with raising children. New is the way to go all the time, every time, which is why it's really interesting in our space, our world, right? There are loads of people out there that are leaders, directors, managers, VPs, uh, board members, and so on and so forth. The teams they manage, this is like the hypocrisy of leadership, right? The teams they manage are out there trying to get people to change, but those leaders that we are selling to are often resistant to change. Mm. And that in itself is a paradox. (laughs) Again, that seems to be a big part of your why, this newness. You're talking about travel. You're talking about helping salespeople. I mean, particularly in the SaaS space, there is no, like you step out for a day and you're behind. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's uh, and actually, it's funny you say that. I, in 2015, when I started at Cirrus Insight, we were the only one of our kind. So I was cold calling people and literally saying, did you know that you could work in Salesforce from your inbox? 
And they would go, no, I didn't know that. And you'd go, I'd love to show it to you. Are you free Thursday at three? I'll send you a quick invite. And they go, yeah, sure. And you send the invite and you get paid. And you're like, holy shit, this is the easiest thing in the world. Fast forward like four months, my fourth month in, new products started hitting the scene. And our AEs would come downstairs and we'd have these all hands meetings where we would hear about all these different products that were coming into these conversations. We're like, man, where are all these people coming from? Well, they're all coming from the fact that we had built a $10 million ARR organization in like six months. So they were like, holy cow, let's build something similar. And that's where the Yeswares came in. That's where the Tout app came in and Reva came in and all these other apps that started existing in the space that did Salesforce and inbox integration or work in Salesforce from this little side panel, right? Uh, There were a lot of like versions of that out there almost overnight, like three to four months after I got the job at Cirrus. So it's amazing like you said, how fast things change in the SaaS space specifically. I think that's been good for you though. And I think, again, that's a big part of your why because everything has been changing very quickly your whole life. Um, yeah. From from all the conversations that we've had, um, I, I know it's a cliche that the only constant has changed, but wow, in your life, that has genuinely been the... the, <laughs> the yeah, yeah, I agree. I adapt to change Amazing. very, very well. I am uh, easy to coach because of that reason. Well, speaking of change then... What do you know? You're about to turn 40 soon. This year, yeah, October 30th. Yes. People call me Boo. Um, What did you say? People call me Boo in my family. Born the day before Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. Okay, that's really cool. (laughs) Um, So, man, you're you're halfway there. Um, So what would be your your biggest hope for the future? Because you've got a lot of living yet to go. You know, what's your why going to be going forward? Yeah, you know, I think my why going forward is probably uh, my joy comes from helping others. So the more that I can help others succeed, both professionally and personally, and I always say we can't grow professionally if we're unwilling to grow personally and vice versa. We can't grow personally until we're willing to grow professionally. because. Those two areas have been so great for me, uh, from, you know, rags to riches kind of thing. I feel like that's where my why has changed and is likely moving towards that why in the future is how do I help more people see it the way that I've seen it? How do I help people achieve more, become greater than what they were yesterday? If I can focus all of my energy on that, everything else will just happen, right? Everything else will just come naturally. It will organically take place. And I think the reason for that is because we put our passion in the things that we believe in. And you know what I believe? I believe that we are all meant to be successful. It's a matter of the choices we make and where we spend our time that drives us to that success. And what's your biggest hope for the future? I hope I can build a better relationship with my kids, my own kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they are distant from me. They don't speak to me very often. And I know that there are many people in this world that were in their 30s and 40s before their kids developed a relationship with them. Uh, I've seen this firsthand on multiple occasions. And all I can hope for is that one day I would become uh, a resource for them for love, affection guidance, attention, uh, all the things that I've missed out on since the divorce. Uh, That's my hope for the future for me. I think everybody who knows you knows about that. Uh, Uh, You know, I hope so. That that element of, (laughs) and uh, actually, I think, I think somebody else has said this on a podcast as well, but I'm looking forward to like, seeing the day where I'm like, Hey James, like what's, what, what's going on? What's going up? And he's like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm talking to my kids. And I'm like, go, (laughs) go do that. (laughs) It's going to happen one day. I mean, I feel like, uh, I feel like it's inevitable that they will have questions and I've got answers. Um, I don't think that I'm the person that I was when I removed myself from that bad situation I was in. Um, I think I've learned a lot about communication, effective communication, um, and about myself. 
So my hope is that I can share who I am fully with them and they would accept that. The main thing that I get whenever we talk um, is this sense of authenticity from you. There's a lot of things that you say that coming out of somebody else's mouth, I'd be like, oh, that's cliche or oh, that's BS or, you know, um, like you literally said something earlier is what you love to do is to help people grow. Like, yeah. And like you, you get your joy out of helping other people. That's a line in like a C, like an interview prep uh, manual. <laughs> like anybody yeah. and everybody would be, could and say the exact same thing. And the thing is with yourself and everything that we've talked about has been genuinely authentic. Um, yeah. There's been lots of elements that we've talked about in all the different areas of your life. Um, whereby the reason you believe that more so than when you hear it from others is because I'm also willing to be vulnerable. Mm. When you have, when you have somebody that's unwilling to be vulnerable, but willing to talk about their passions, you know, it's, that part of it becomes kind of phony in a way. Uh, but we have to get personal if we want to grow professionally, as I said, you know, putting myself out there has led me down a path I never would have imagined. And one day when those kids have questions, they're going to find say what sales it's inevitable that that is yeah. going to happen. Uh, we live in a very interconnected world and they are while very young, uh, they're teenagers now. And because of that, it's just a matter of time before social media creeps into their lives. And let's be frank, I'm everywhere. It's hard <laughs> to miss me when you're looking for me. Uh, there's only one other James Buckley, and he's a British actor that I can't seem to be ahead of in the search criteria when you Google James Buckley. But it's a goal of mine. It's going to happen. The Watch goddamn, out, James Buckley. I'm coming for you. The goddamn in-betweeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've really enjoyed, and it's, it's funny, a lot of the elements of your life that we talked about in the last episode you wouldn't like you, you started this by saying that you're a hopelessly positive guy with a lot of broken glass yeah. behind you. And then we walked through those and we looked at some of those broken pieces. Um, and only some, only some, only some, <laughs> exactly. There's, there's 20 years that we didn't get into uh, 20 years yeah. of specifics and memories that we haven't gotten into. Um, very hard to condense that into three, three episodes. Um, but I think well, one of the things that strikes people me about- are bigger than you think they are. And it's hard to fit a lot of individuals into boxes. And that's what we tend to do in these little one hour segments, right? Mm-hmm. Is we put people in boxes. And that's why I think this show is different. Uh, and, I, you know, I'll just say that for the listeners out there. The show is different because it doesn't put you in the box. It actually removes you from the box so that all your vulnerabilities and passions can be displayed for everyone to actually see in reality instead of I'm only going to show you what I want to see, which is what a lot of, which is what a lot of shows do. Um, um, look, I'm, I'm glad that, that you come back so often. Um, however, we're not done because the box that people would have put you in would have been, you know, very happy, very positive, very enthusiastic um, yeah. uh, right now. And um, I kind of want to see if there's anything negative we can pull out. Uh, so here's a sure. question. <laughs> here's a question. I mean, if, if, if anybody can like come away from the next 20 minutes of this podcast and go, God, that James guy's an asshole. I don't know how I feel about it, but we'll see. Um, so question, what would be your, one of your most controversial opinions? Because people, Americans love opinions. Um, so what would be your most controversial opinions? <sighs> So I have a lot of unpopular opinions, and one of them is that everybody should be accountable and punished. They should suffer for the mistakes that they make in some way, shape, or form. Otherwise, they're doomed to repeat that mistake again. Okay, that doesn't seem ridiculous. And that, However, you don't think that's ridiculous, but a lot of people believe that no matter the mistakes that you make, bad things shouldn't happen to people that that's like saying everything should be fluffy and flowery all through life. And that's unrealistic. I believe when people make a mistake, they should suffer the consequences for that mistake. Great example. I decided to divorce my wife. The consequence was that my children don't speak to me. I suffer from that mistake every single day. 
But because of that, it drives me to do better. It drives me to be more. So that's an unpopular opinion that I share with people all the time. Oh, man, you're going to pay for that one. You know, like that's, that's the way it goes. Um, in martial arts, when people make a mistake, their opponent capitalizes on it every time. You know, this is part of life. It's, it's the Tao. It's the way of life. And we have to start embracing that, that consequence. Otherwise, what's the point? There will, there will never be growth. It'll be, oh, I missed it again. Ah, whatever. Right. <laughs> like there's no, there's no yeah. care behind it. If you know that no consequence will come. Uh, I, I also have another unpopular opinion. And that is that my generation of parents, the generation X and the millennial parents, we suck at raising. We suck at it. It's the worst. Right. Okay. We enable them to get anything they want. They, they don't, they don't know what the word no means. Right. Gen Z and younger, right. Are probably going to carry that terrible torch through their lives. And that's our fault. And if you ask any baby boomer, they would tell you the same thing. Oh, we suck as parents. Look at you guys. You're all messed up. <laughs> Hang on. Let's, let's, let's go back a second. You're okay. So what are you a millennial? Is that how that works? So I am 1981. I was born in 81. I am right on the cusp of Gen X and millennial. 1981 is the transition year from Gen X to millennial. Okay. So I am 1998, meaning I am on the cusp of Gen Z. Uh, yep. Of Gen Z. So who messed up who here? Yeah. So your parents, first of all, are you an only child? No, I'm the oldest of five. You're the oldest of five. Are both your parents still alive? Yes. Great. So this, this means two things. One, because you are not an only child, you have an abundance of patience. You've probably spent your entire life waiting your turn since your first brother or sister was born. Yeah. Right? Because, oh, they're the priority. The young one goes first. No? Definitely. Particularly so now time. you have this ridiculous amount of patience that most people your age don't have because you're not an only child. And both of your parents are still alive. And here's what that means. Your career, your growth, your development, your level of success, the way you perceive it is your number one focus. And the reason for that is because when we lose a parent, everything else, including our professional growth and development, has the volume turned way down. That sense of loss is not something that we bounce back as very fast from, mm -hmm. right? It takes time. Because of that, your focus is growth and development on an epic scale. You want to consistently be moving forward. You probably reach out to your parents and talk to them often. How are the, how's everybody doing, right? You're the oldest, so your job is basically to guide your younger brothers and sisters to some level of success that you perceive to be worthy of their masterhood or whatever, right? That's part of your genetic makeup. Your sociological background drives that. For me, my level of success is dictated by two people. One, my mom, who I feel I owe the world to. And two, my wife, who has helped me grow and develop into the man I am today. But most parents that are millennial, their children are the first to go through school with smart technology. Because of that, the world has been at their fingertips. Information has been readily available their entire lives. And as a result, mom and dad have become less of a resource for what's true, what's real. Now we have this entire generation of people who literally can swipe right and get anything they want as long as they have access to financial means. Credit cards, debit cards, usually belonging to mom and dad. But that swipe right mentality is bleeding over into this generation of children who have a difficult time communicating with anyone, right? They have a difficult time explaining their emotional status because they live their life in the phone, in the box. In the right rectangle. 
Yeah, this is a very unpopular opinion. Most people are going to scorn me for this. I'm fine with your judgment. I don't care, right? <laughs> the fact is, Cancel the fact Jim is, Bucky for his opinions, nah. Yeah, feel free. You know, scorn me. I'm fine with it. Doesn't bother me at all. Uh, but, but I think every parent that is a millennial or older has uttered the words, "God, they just spend so much time on that phone. God, they just they just constantly are." watching television. God, they're just constantly on that computer all day. There's an element of enablement that's happened at our parents and older level that has geared us towards this inability to communicate effectively. And I can't stand it, but I live in it every day and we just have to accept it and move on because that's where we're progressing as a society. Again, unpopular opinion, but happy to share it. <laughs> Interesting. So, see, I, this makes sense with you. Like, the the unpopular opinions that you have, like the deepest, darkest, this is going to get me cancelled stuff, is actions have consequences and... Um, Learn how to communicate better. <laughs> millennials don't, can't communicate. Like, or children can't communicate anymore. Like... Yeah. Oh, what controversial yeah. opinions you have. Uh, <laughs> and a genuine... Are you being sarcastic? I mean, I could get I'm, more controversial I'm, if you like. But. I'm quite being sarcastic here. <laughs> However, I'm wondering... I'm wondering... Because you and I are similar in this regard, I'm wondering if somebody listening right now was like, God, those are quite controversial opinions. And they've just blown past me. And if they have, God, let me know. That'd be great. Um, this show was about well, opinions. Somebody out there is going to say, well, I disagree because I'm a Gen Z and I connect very well and my communication skills are great. Let me tell you, you are a statistical outlier. By and large, if you are Gen Z or younger, there is a communication barrier between you and millennials and millennials and Gen Xers and Gen Xers and baby boomers. This is the generational gap. Mm. And it will consistently be there no matter what technology emerges in our fields. And the reason for that is because communication changes over time. Language changes over time. I I remember the first time somebody said the word yeet to me. And I was like, I don't know what that, I don't know what that is, you know? And I remembered, I remembered many times saying things to my parents and then being like, I don't know what that means. And then I remembered stories of my grandparents telling me about things my parents were saying and them going, I don't know what that means. Welcome to life, right? (laughs) Like there's a communication breakdown between every generation, but this one, this one matters because there's a sense of entitlement that's coming with it that used Mm -hmm. to not be there. Okay. And it's mostly thanks to technology. Well, one of the things that you said actually is kind of stuck out to me is that mom and dad are less of a resource. They're no longer the single source of truth. Um, That's true. In life. So they're, you don't need to listen to them as much. That's an interesting one. That's going to ruminate in my brain for a while. But that's going to bring me yeah. on to my, on to the last question that I have for you. And it actually works out very nicely. There's, there, there's, a, there's a question that I have. If you had to give a piece of advice to a newborn, to a, a fresh mm-hmm. young baby who, in our scenario, will understand. And every single decision they have to make in their 100 plus year life, they'll have to resort back to the principle of this piece of advice. Um, mm-hmm. No pressure. But like, what, what's that piece of advice? What's, what's most important? Mm-hmm. Uh, become more introverted. And look at all the potential outcomes of all the decisions you could possibly make before you make one, write them down. So let me give you why I say this. Uh, Some people define introvert and extrovert in a specific way. What's your definition of introvert and extrovert? Ooh, so my definition of introvert and extrovert, uh, introverts are are fueled and and energized by uh, being on their own and sorting things out in their own heads. However, extroverts mm-hmm. are fueled and energized by being around people and externalizing their thoughts. Yeah. So let me give you my definition of introvert and extrovert. Yours is very traditional, but here's mine. Introverts think of all the potential outcomes before they make any decisions, no matter what that question or that decision might be. 
They think of every possible outcome, and then they make a decision based on their ideal outcome, the one they want. Extroverts have to speak to form thoughts. So I would advise a young person to learn to be introverted in the decision-making process because extroverts tend to make decisions quite quickly and often regret them. But introverts tend to take their time making decisions and usually land on the right one because they've thought of all the possible outcomes. Interesting. I had never thought of anything like that. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's a fantastic way of putting it. Um, yeah. Think it all through. Um, think it all through. Yeah, slow down. Look at all the possible outcomes. Write it all down. Brainstorm it. Make an outline. Whatever you have to do. But think of, think of everything that you can possibly think of before arriving at a decision. Now, I want to preface with this is especially true for life decisions and career decisions and larger decisions. If you're talking about what you're going to have for dinner tonight, you probably don't need an outline for that. Yeah. You probably <laughs> do not need. Yeah. Um, so do things right would be, that would be that if you were to pass on a why to somebody to another mm. direction, uh, yeah. it would be yeah. why, why they do what they do is to do things the way they, that they themselves feel they want to do them. I would, I would say that the best way to, to wrap that up in a pretty package would say it's almost always better to do things right than fast. Always better to do things right than fast. Um, So, and that's the why that you're going to pass on. I think that would be one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The bigger, the bigger why would be do what makes you happy. I, I did a lot of, I took a lot of jobs for me to realize what I wanted to do with my life long term. Uh, and I lost a lot of jobs before I realized that I was the problem and it was me that needed to change, not everybody else. Um, man, you've lived a number of lives uh, and you lived quite a life uh, in an amalgamation. Um, still a long way to go, buddy. Still a long way to go. We're going to do this again in 40 years and we're going to have, oh. like, I don't know, like, you're, you're going to have three, four, five lives now between now and then. Um, That's a date, but- man. <laughs> John Barrow's guy? We'll say that in 40 years' time. Um, <laughs> um, I will probably be sitting at a table drinking whiskey with John in 40 years. <laughs> that sounds, do you know what? I'm inviting myself. Um, James, thank you very much for, for joining. Um, I've told this story before, but in our first episode, it, I just ran it like a normal episode. And afterwards, we decided that we'd only touched on a couple of points and we hadn't gone deep into anything. And I'm so glad that we did. Um, we've talked yeah. about all of the different whys, all of the different elements of, of your life. We've picked out quite a few different nuggets that can now be used and, and shared. Um, I'm very lucky to know you, man. I'm, I'm really glad that we've, that we've been able to do this with, over the last little while. Um, and yeah, well, really be ready because I'm headed your way as soon as humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I look forward to it. Um, yeah. Wait, I want to do like a workshop out there in Dublin, man. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, anything you want the audience to know about before you write before, cause this is actually your last time for this, for this series anyway. Um, yeah, that's anything- true. Uh, so follow me on Instagram. I am at say what sales. Uh, you can Google say what sales and find tons of content, uh, out there and then check us out at ondemand.jbarrows.com to learn about the on-demand training that we offer. Uh, we do weekly webinars and you can do you can join us for those they're 100% free. Uh, we do these on sales topics. So if you're in sales, these are great webinars for you to come and get great takeaways from and start changing the game for yourself. Um, and obviously I am a fan of all things Irish. So if you are in Ireland and want to send me great Irish stuff, feel free to reach out to me and I'll give you my address because I love Ireland with all my heart. So thank you very much for having me on the show. I believe it. Every single time I see you, you're wearing an Ireland t-shirt. And at the first I was like, oh, it's one of these Americans, you know, just trying to, just trying to be Irish. And now I'm like, nope, this guy knows more than me. Um, (laughs) On that, thank you for, for telling us about your why, about your life. And I'll chat with you again soon. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks so much. And there we have it. The three episodes of the life of James 
Buckley. From the Ritalin kid that grew up in Miami, Florida, to one of the best well-known sales trainers in the world. Um, we've looked at the ups, the downs, the influences, those both positive and negative. And what I really liked about today, or at least what I really liked about today's episode, is we discussed how everyone that James has met has had a different impact on his life. In episode two, for example, we talked about the impact his dad has had. In episode three, today, we looked at the impact his mother has had. We looked at his wife his first wife, his second wife, his kids, and how they, each of those have shaped him to being who he is. We started this series by saying James has a lot of broken glass in his rearview mirror. Now we know what that looks like, where it came from, and whether or not we too have a lot of broken glass in our own. The main thing that I hope you take away from this conversation with James is we all have similar experiences. Maybe not as extreme, but we've all been influenced by people that we shouldn't have been influenced by. The impact of our parents on our lives is no different to the impact of James's parents on his lives. The friends that he chose, the careers that he chose, why he chose them, the decisions that he's made, there will all be parallels to our own lives. And that's what I really hope that you get out of this episode today. James has lived multiple lives, and I think over the last three episodes, he's definitely held up a mirror to us and said, hey, are you living yours? <laughs> um, and that's the question I want to leave you with today. James has lived multiple lives. We've looked at them over the last couple of weeks together. Um, we've taken a deep dive into different aspects of them. We've taken a dive into one that was more detrimental than another, where he thought he was going down one path and ended up down another. The impact that other people have had on him. And he's definitely held up a mirror to me at least, to, un- to help me to understand the impact that my friends, family and relationships have had on me. Join us next week when we move on to a standalone episode where we interview Daniel Kine, CEO of Opinion X. If you don't know who that is, Google him, or at least Google Opinion X. You won't regret it. Until then, hope you're having a good day. I hope you know why you do what you do. And I'll chat with you again soon.